0: Welcome to the audio-only version of this week's pop-up submission show. I hope you enjoy it. We love you to join us for the live show on YouTube every Sunday at 5pm UK time. YouTube.com slash Nice to have you here again this Sunday afternoon in London, England, Europe. No, not Europe anymore. <gasps> My goodness. Let me tell you what um, submissions we've got today. Uh, we've got fantasy science fiction. I've uh, got fantasy so two lots of fantasy so far we've got new adult fiction we'll be exploring what that is in a minute uh we've got contemporary thriller and we have got criminal urban fantasy so if any of that floats your boat even if it doesn't just stick around for the next 60 minutes as we try to discover the next bestsellers with your help with the help of the genius room and particularly help of my guests Now, after editing nearly 100 books 100 books can you believe that for children she decided to write a few bestsellers herself what took you so long sarah it's sarah grant hello and she's a she's a flamenco fanatic a fandango fiend and a pretty good word slinger too yeah it's litopia's own annie Summerly. how about that We've got um, we've got an endorsement here for us. Uh, this is from Sarah. Thank you very much for sending this, Sarah. I was on, on last week. Uh, Wolf Titan feedback was brilliant, Sarah says. I've been thus inspired to a frenzy of revisions across the board. Good. I'm looking forward to submitting again while I've had a bit of an edit. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sarah, actually. Much appreciated that. Um, it's always good, you know, because we review your manuscripts you can review us fair enough isn't it um let's have a look at the leaderboard so far this month it's still very early let's see who's got the big sexy smile oh my goodness me it's quite tightly bunched as you can see all five submissions are well within certainly what eight eight points of each other Uh, uh, no first place you can't knock it, can you? Sixty-four points for Damien, with my granddad picks his nose. I wonder if anything is going to beat that this week. I really wonder. Um, now, why are we uh, why are we doing this? What are we getting all these monthly leaderboards and points for? Well, the answer is it's quite a new system we've got going, but each month we do work out a winner well actually you do too because you vote live on the show and what happens to that winner something rather special with over 100 worldwide number one bestsellers, Head of Zeus is a formidable British based publishing powerhouse independent publisher of the year digital business of the year the awards and tributes keep rolling in Now, Pop-Up Submissions has partnered with Head of Zeus to find tomorrow's best-selling authors. Each month's Pop-Up winner will be fast-tracked straight to them for their expert consideration. We know, writing is never easy, but now Pop-Up Submissions makes it easier for you and your work to find a great publishing home. I think that's pretty cool don't you Uh, it's a new route to publication in this day and age every writer needs that let's get straight on and look at our very first submission thank you Priscilla I completely agree this is from Asmus Asmus near I've got to say that is such a writerly name what a great name that is I wonder if it's real I'm sure what's Asmus is saying right now what's of course it's real I was born with it yes but it's it's a good name this is fantasy science fiction it's called the Grantston Chronicles colon, expedition to Mandawar. and this is your blurb. It all started with a bet, and so it begins, Dashiel Remington's travel to the great desert of Mandawar, where explorers go when there's nothing left to explore. To succeed, Dashiel has to rely on his crew of diverse personalities, like the metal man Brick, the serious engineer Liana Jenkins the partners in business, as well as in life, Rolo and Mr. Took. Mr. Took? is that the wrong book? Uh, but before Dashiel can claim his reward, he and his expedition have to brave righteous durators, vicious scorpions and their own pasts. And um, I think you've been truncated there, Asmus. Sorry about that. Um, but it does, you know, there's a little ticker when you um type the, the blurb in on the website and it does count the the number of characters you've got left and you've just slightly exceeded that i'm afraid um but let me tell everybody about you my name is asmus i'm a 34 year old dane great dane <laughs> probably not the first time you've heard that uh now living just south of london with my wife i work in marketing and have been writing stories since i was a child Expedition to Mandawar is the first book in a series of at least seven. That sounds great. You want a good, strong, stirring reading. I'll be bound, and it's going to be Robert.
1: The Grantston Chronicles, Expedition to Mandawar, by Asmus, read by Robert. It started, as such things often do, with a bet. Chapter 1. It was in the metropolis of Granston, the centre of civilization in the Northern Empire. Inside the hall of adventurous gentlemen were engrossed in discussions. Around them trinkets and artifacts from imperial provinces and exotic locations were displayed on walls and in glass cases, with small brass signs giving information about what the trinket is and who found it. A pristine trident from the underwater civilization of Bay sla Sir Edmund Wolfenhart, a photograph of a machinist forge, Mr Charles Destier, a cubic piece of building brick from the world spire donated by the Emperor Albert Octavus, and even a bone fragment from the skull city of Umbrian, kept in a preservative liquid, Mr Joseph Descargot. White-gloved waiters zipped dignified through the smoking room, exchanging empty glasses with full ones, emptying ashtrays and tidying the room, careful not to disturb the various discussions, talks, and whispered conversations taking place there. "'My dear Mr Remington,' the esteemed Sir Habangut said in his familiar, booming voice. "'You've been here for quite a while now,' he waved his hands expansively. "'Are you growing roots?' Dashiel Remington smiled at the comment. Sir Habington had not been outside Granston for years, preferring to live an adventuring life by proxy, sponsoring others' expeditions and adventures. As such, Sir Habington had not as much grown roots as having grown into a mature oak. I'm looking for the right challenge, Sir Habington. Indeed got boomed, waving a hand and sloshing expensive brandy on the velvet upholstery of his favourite chair. You already contributed handsomely to our growing collection. It could be time to relax. It was true. De Scheele had done his share of exploring for the Empire and had the trophies and the scars to show for it. Still he did detect something in the big man's voice. I don't think so he said. I think my greatest adventure is still ahead of me. And what would that be? Something no one has attempted, or even gotten close to completing, I dare say, Desheel said. A bold claim, ha! The big man laughed. Desheel knew Habengut, and knew nothing the man said was ever intended as belittling or taunting, Sometimes it just came off that way. Now, what would that be? DeShiel watched as Habengut turned his sizable body towards the enormous map of the Empire, covering an entire wall of the smoking room. Pins with coloured heads dotted the map, signifying where a discovery or exploration had taken place, as well as by who. DeShiel saw his own pins, turquoise with his shield, the falcon emblazed on it, appear half a dozen places on the map. It becomes harder and harder to discover something truly new, Habengut said, as much to himself as to DeShiel. As the Empire spreads, the exotic becomes the ordinary and household. Did you know that we've had to remove five of our objects in this room in the last two years, simply because they weren't special anymore? DeShiel knew. Since the new train line from Granston to Vuungo opened, spice pods were not unique anymore. They were not common, as they still cost quite a few crowns, but they were within reach of almost a third of the Empire by now. And the empty shell of an Aerosquid was removed, when it turned out that the squids had inhabited several cave systems and abandoned mine shafts in the Empire, some as close as Ironhead. Projections put the aerosquid as a candidate for the worst invasive species in a few hundred years. They decimated native birds like nobody's business. The search for something new was the reason many adventurers were travelling farther to make new discoveries. On the big map, pins radiated out from the centre like a star. De Shield's eyes roamed over the pins. The machinists were, literally, up in arms over the influx of adventurers trying to trespass on sacred lands. In the rainforest of the south, at least three adventurers had so far tried to find the Golden Pyramids of Arch Tarama. The Emperor had to issue a direct warning against trying to gain access to the world spire. There was of course a newfound sense of fame found in adventuring, something which confused the elder members.
0: Alright, so let's just see what the um, genius room is saying. I always right and have a wrong. Uh, generally strong reaction to begin with. Great first line. Um, Andy D uh, started with a bet, so it begins. One of these is enough, I'd say. Um, there are rather too many names, says Jay, and places in the first paragraph for me. Setting reminds me of Ashley Hardy, says Kate. Bit 19th century, Galadriel, and I think Kate echoes that yeah 19th century pastiche says kate but deftly done then she goes on saying maybe should start in another place needs a stronger hook i want a reason to care says vagabond and although the writing is very competent i'm not getting that yet galadriel says distancing great imagination says andy d um a play here but it needs trimming down so we can see the protagonist more amongst it um fantastic first reaction sarah
2: yeah i i um i i, I think the blurb was excellent i really thought the blurb even though it was cut off i still thought they had the right mix it was sparky mm. i, so I was, you've been it 100
0: there which is brilliant five stars uh-huh, I have, yeah I have.
2: and um i think it just needs some tightening i think i'm echoing what the 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 room has said really um just great imagination you have so many things that you thought of, so that you, you, I know that you ha- this world is real to you. I, it no is. doubt. And I feel like, mm. the, I feel like there's a map. You have that map on your wall, you have those pins on your wall, and all those amazing details. It, I think it's too much in mm. the beginning. Mm. I'm, I was kind of by the end, I'm re- I'm raring to go. You got me. A- yeah. And I think, like, the, the, the first line you said, it started. As things these things often do with a bet, and I thought, why not just say it started with a bet? Because when you say "as these things often do," then I go, "Oh, it's common." I don't think you know, and it, 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 I'd rather it be just. And that's kind of the example of where I, what I think needed to happen throughout. Just um, you have all those wonderful things, and you're telling me all this information, and I think it's just a, a bit too much. But I have high hopes because I think there's a, some great detail and i and i feel confident in the world that he's built i just am ready for i'm ready to go on that journey i'm ready to find out yeah. what that um that adventure is
0: yeah i think you're absolutely right there is at least mentally maybe in physically we do, well, we're not privy to asmus's uh, uh, writing area um but there is definitely a, a, a sort of a, a pasteboard up there with pins in he definitely knows his world inside out I, um, I, uh, Kate was saying, nineteenth-century pastiche. I'm not wild about that. You often find, you know, writers do start like that, and I don't know if that's terribly relevant to today's reader. I never like it too much because it seems derivative. But as the thing went on, it actually became more original. I thought, and more interesting Mm. actually. Mm. What did you think, Annie?
3: Um, I I kind of agree with what um, you were saying about the nineteenth century. feel that it had to. And it kind of has that similar beginning that most um, expedition books have to them of, you know, someone giving a bet as to can you do it or not and things like that. And um, there's one thing that jumped out to me, which was um, when they were talking about how the um, objects are no longer special and how there's, um, you know, they've got this sense that some of the things that were exciting before are no longer that interesting mm. and I think that if you kind of focus on maybe that kind of sense that would maybe help it stand out a little but there, there is a lot of, like you get a sense that there's a world there that, that he's he's obviously built this world and um, especially when talking about where other people had gone on expeditions and you're talking yeah. about all these different places and um, But yeah, I do agree, it was maybe a little bit too much when, especially for the first chapter and it would maybe be better to get a sense of who the character is. Yeah, a more before I think that would be been safer. More.
0: Yeah, that's what the Junius room mm-hmm. says too. Maybe starting in the wrong place. Uh, Johnny says, Phineas, Phileas uh, fog, isn't it? Phineas, oh, Phileas fog vibe. And Vagabond says, would have been nice if we gone straight to the bet, of course, which is exactly how um, Around the World on Age Days started. Um, let's just see now, actually. Yeah, here we are. Uh, so you, you've crept up to 61% asthma, which I hope you're pleased with. Um, very, very, you should be very pleased sarah's vote for your blurb she's given you absolute maximum points on that and uh annie thinks that your writing craft is pretty darn good yeah um yeah um and so does the genius room too so you should not be unhappy with that it's a very good start i think let's see what's next when you join our weekly huddle, certain things happen. No, not that. Bring your writing, your book titles, your blurbs, anything really, for expert and sympathetic input. In confidence. Other websites charge a fortune for this kind of thing. In Litopia, the oldest community for writers on the net is included in your modest subscription. Litopia, we're here for you. As we are. Yes, of course, always here for you. Um, second submission of the day comes from Madarika, who i think is live with us now on youtube there you go <laughs> as if on cue nice to have you along very very nice to have our authors along live actually i know it's a bit nerve-wracking sometimes but um it's great to you know to have your reactions and there's a qr code there too so if you want to go to the link that Madarika wants you to go to just scan that on your phone and you go straight off there it's fantasy and it's called dustria and this is Madarika's blurb sulap a gifted young surgeon makes a terrible mistake and flees to Dustria, a land of monsters and broken things, to punish herself. But she doesn't really learn from her mistakes until she is presented with a situation where she must choose between confronting her past or continuing down an unexamined path. Dustria is for the questioning reader, examining themes in unrequited love, substance abuse, sexual diversity, and enduring friendships. And I'm going to tell you about Madarika, a freelance writer-journalist whose work frequently play- appears on the Hindu, India's leading national newspaper and the op-ed. Uh, she's an engineer and holds masters in biotechnology from columbia university in new york she loves to write but lives for music okay so we're we're number two on your list are we madarika i see all right fine got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she lives in chennai india madarika's short fiction and non-fiction have appeared in literary journals and magazines actually everywhere there's a long list i can't read them all but it's very impressive so impressive in fact we've got a reading from ali
4: Industria by Madarika read by Alison. Prologue. Alacrinth was famous for its beauty. The city sprawled below, a glistening jewel bathed in the pink hue of sunset. Seagulls swayed over the horizon, painting the sky with their milky white, and kissing the ocean at times, breaking the calm of an otherwise perfect dusk. Once that pink hue meant the afterglow of bloodshed, but now it brought to mind the pearly calm of a slowly formed seashell. The city wound down beneath him. "'Sir rajura you have visitors.' The voice broke the peace. Not another long evening, immortal Rojura thought, and immediately felt guilty. Perhaps not. Perhaps it was Prince Iliath wanting to talk of his imaginary problems with the Ministry of Sobriety and Social Welfare, he mused. That could be quick. Or how to fix a situation with a farmer's union strike without dipping into the coffers. That would be not so quick. As if reading his thoughts, the valet offered, it's the Ministry of Magic. Minister Fillet wants a word. Rojura groaned. No doubt wanting further insights into the mysterious ways of the preternatural. This is what happens when you set up a ministry that serves no practical purpose. Still, things were not like the old days, Rojura reassured himself. How the old civilization had lost track of time. The darkness that had descended on the world seemed like a distant memory, a time when people had ruined their lives with consumption. They slept with each other with abandon, forgot pledges to take care of the old and young, drank poisonous sapphire to oblivion, and, above all, allowed themselves to forget where they would come from. Books the gatekeepers of accountability were left to crumble and wrinkle into the flames of eternal amnesia. They were completely caught unawares when the sickness descended upon them like a thunderclap of misery, too preoccupied with their ruinous profligacy, naked and helpless against the rising of the others, the monsters born of the illness and illicit desires. But then magic stepped in at the very last minute, when all hope seemed lost and order had been restored. Perhaps it was the peace the vista inspired. He closed his eyes. The seagulls continued their squawking high up in the azure sky. It took several moments for Rojura, the immortal guardian of the Western Kingdom, to register the rivulets of red snaking their way down the front of his robe. He touched the viscous liquid, feeling light-headed. A searing pain raced across his throat. He clasped his neck, collapsing onto the floor, his hands bathed in warm blood. In the shadows of the drapes that skirted the balcony stood a dark figure, patiently witnessing the life being snuffed out. Not so immortal now, it hissed. The moment needed to be marked. After all, this was blood that hadn't been spilled in three thousand years. The sacred blood of the immortals. Part One The blood emerged like a red satin ribbon from the incision. She sliced into the body with an expertise far beyond her years. The heat of the living, breathing bodies circling her, observing her, wafted up her nape and over her ears, making her hair stand on edge as she bent over the patient. Her skin was cold to the touch, but she was a cauldron of heat inside. The elixir warmed her innards, lit her loins, and stilled her to a deathly focus, where all she saw, all she felt, was the movement of her hands in perfect symphony with her mind. The darkness lurked beneath her skin, threatening to cascade out, but she harnessed it now, somehow, and its power felt limitless. Salatant was performing her first surgery, high as a summer sky. The intoxicant coursed through her veins and tugged at her nerves. Surgery was a precise science, and Salatant had always extracted great comfort from that knowledge. The cuts and incisions had to be carefully timed, the sutures meticulously braided together, combining skill and craft. But now she tested the very limits of its scrupulous tenets, the sapphire bathing her senses with a milky calm, dissolving the boundaries between the possible and impossible. Nothing.
0: Sorry. um slightly elided that at the end there and i think possibly we, um for the first time ever we somehow missed out a paragraph which is a bit disturbing so many apologies for that um too much backstory says ancora lyrical prose says kate um what else are we uh, oh johnny just realized it was a prologue i did too i've just I've just injected myself with adrenaline to get over my allergy to prologues um but i'd like to know what you made of it annie
3: Right, um, I I really liked it. Um, I know that prologues can be a bit of a can be a wee bit off-putting, but I think in a genre like fantasy, especially when you have to um, do a lot of world-building, something that's kind of short and sweet at the start that kind of gives you an insight into what the main character is going to go into later can sort of it it can keep you um, sort of wanting to see how they're going to interact with that later. Um, yeah, I, I do agree with what the with what the chat is saying um, in terms of info dump. It was a little bit. I think, especially for a prologue, that you should kind of keep that out and try to focus more on on the character and on the fact that um, this character who we've just met is um, is murdered at the end. At least I think that's what happened. So oh, I think you're trying oh, to tried, like. Yeah. I think I think that's what happened. That's what I think that's what happened. But I would try to like, expand on that a little bit more because that's kind of the focal point of that. Um, yeah. But I really like the writing. I feel like the um, um, like the the prose is, is is very good, and it got a really different sense of character between the prologue and then the first chapter. There's there's a like different voice there, which I think is quite yeah, hard. Yeah, there to is. Do.
0: There is. I very much so. I, I noticed that. And I think everyone in the chat room did too, in the genius room. Uh Annie, you're gonna to have to press your vote button.
3: Oh, yeah. Because we're Let's looking
0: see. we're missing Annie's votes right now. Oh, um
3: Right.
0: Last line of the prologue I, like go on, sorry. Go on. No,
3: um, I also I was gonna say I like the the premise as well is something that I I really liked look at that yeah. I'm glad <laughs> no, I you mean, voted you like something yeah
0: <laughs> you've pushed it way up there yeah. Madarika will be your biggest fan without a doubt you love the title you I mean pretty yeah. pretty hard on the blurb you love the craft you love the commercial appeal um, mm-hmm. what's not to like is there anything you criticize on this
3: well yes the, the blurb um, I I felt it was too vague Okay. The, the blurb was kind of two, you know, general things, but no details. So I think Got that's something she'd have to work on.
0: Got it. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Sarah?
3: Um, yeah, I think the writing was
2: beautiful. I think that opening paragraph, I was just like stunned. I think it set such a beautiful tone, especially when what was going to happen later was so dark. Um, so I thought the writing, I think. I think she can write, she can absolutely... Um, she's got that going on. I found the prologue um, a bit confusing at times, Yeah. Um, and, I'm, and I think I'm with uh, my colleague Annie in saying kind of get to, you know, maybe stop some of that, even though there was such a lovely, subtle humor there um, when you're talking about, oh, if it's this problem it's going to not take so long, but that could take a little longer. I mean, there was a lovely, subtle inner voice and humor that I quite liked. Um, and then... It, yeah the, the character though i wanted to know the character a little bit more because i just wanted to know a bit more especially so then i would really care deeply that he was gonna meet an untimely demise um and then chapter one we didn't get a lot of chapter one but um i thought yeah i was i i was interested i think um the switch Confused me a little bit, and I wasn't always sure. Um, so she was on Sapphire, which we found out earlier. Maybe is maybe a drug, and so she was performing her first surgery under the influence of this.
5: Yeah,
2: apparently um, so. And I don't yeah. know. I found, I found that I found that a little bit confusing at times. Um, but, but I think there was some lovely writing there, and so when you find that kind of voice, I'm willing yeah. to keep turning the page. You know, good,
0: good. Um, All and the well. only thing I think
2: about the blurb is the blurb. The, that last line, I think Kate said this in the Genius Room, is that. When I hear someone say it's themes of blah, 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 that just, that makes me, that turns me off a little bit because I want it to yeah. come out in the blurb and, and in the writing. And I'm always afraid that it's not going to be subtle if it's yeah. stated that directly in the blurb, if that makes any sense. And that's, I know that's a personal.
0: Yeah. No, no. I, I, what, what you say is, is the word of God. Basically. that's that's what we refer to in, in, in a trade yeah if Sarah comes out with a pronouncement then everyone bows down. I just want to tell everyone um, what Lex has said because um, the thing is as, as you can see I have just switched to the genius room for a moment as you can see um, the types uh, the type size of uh, size changes according to how much goes in your posting okay so if you've got a lot to say can I just remind you please can you break it up into two posts so we can read it because I'm gonna have to read what Lex has just said and then I've got a very important announcement Um, and Lex says for me the second case in a row of a writer who clearly has wonderful ideas and a great vision of the world uh, and the story they want to share but instead of drip feeding it to us we get big chunks of exposition less is more lead us through the world don't hand us a stack of reading about it chisel it down a bit couldn't agree more with that Mm -hmm. Madarika says thanks for incredible feedback now I have something to tell you I just got an email from uh, Marica saying um i have received and accepted an offer for publication of dustria from a small canadian publisher of speculative fiction um as of today um i could she says i could always use um a quotable reference from an esteemed show such as yours okay so if anybody so so first of all um we are definitely going to keep you in in this yeah congratulations look said, annie you were right <laughs> <laughs> i didn't tell anyone this beforehand but you were right um yeah. so what we what i'm going to do actually Madarika, is we're going to leave you in in the show uh, in the competition of the show but should you win and 68 is a damn good fight actually should you win i'm going to take you out of the monthly contest because there's absolutely no point sending uh, a book that's already got a publishing deal to our uh, esteemed publisher head of Zeus. so we'll not be doing that um but we will be leaving you in the uh, in the in the show itself um and what i'm going to ask you actually genius room and uh, this is very unfair, but I'm still going to ask our, our, our live panellists. If you want to give Madarika a little endorsement to use on her book, you can do that. You can do that either now or give it, give it a minute or two, maybe after the next submission. I've been thinking about it ever since I've read your email, Madarika, and I've got... I always like short endorsements because I think people read them. I've got one for you here. Dark, comma disturbing, and beautiful. Peter Cox host of pop-up submissions you can use that very happy for you to use that if anyone else has got an endorsement they want to add take it away now (laughs) and we come back and uh ask our esteemed guests um about their possible endorsements if they want to oh she's happy as the dog of sea tails Thank you. Thank you very much, Madarika. Um, we'll come, I can ask them after the next submission, actually. This is submission number three. And it's from Lauren, who has not yet got a publishing deal, as far as I know. And if you have, you, you should let us know. Uh, it's new adult fiction. That might need a bit of explaining, new adult. Not quite sure what it means. I think I know what it means, new adult. I bet Sarah knows. Uh, there's qr code there and this is this is Lawrence blurb and it's sort of <clears throat> it's kind of a two-part blurb really so elevator pitch <laughs> okay elevator pitch imagine being a student with no money a low-income job and rent you can't really pay and then all of a sudden having all the money you ever dreamt of land in your lap seems ideal right well money isn't everything and certainly can't buy happiness, as Robin finds out. All right, now, uh, before we go to your blurb, I have to say that's not really an elevator pitch. I can tell you more about elevator pitches if you want. And if you're joining us live, uh, just ask me, actually. Um, and then we have part two blurb. It's an accepted fact that students are well-known for a few main things. One... Drinking too many Jager bombs at Epic Wednesdays and regretting it the next day as they drag themselves to a seminar. Now, I don't know if there were further points there. It might have been, or it might have been just that's all the students are known for. I don't know. But that's the only point we've got because at that point you were cut off. Let me tell you about uh, Lauren. I'm inspired by real-life events and the characters I create are inspired by people I know. hope you don't get assumed. Um, as aforementioned, I've been writing since... I was 11 has that been aforementioned and used to post my work on the writing site wattpad i'm aware of that as a novice in my teenage years um this term i'm partaking in a creative writing class as an elector for university which is just your, your college and i hope to sharpen my skills and pick up on a new on new techniques although cliche i was originally inspired to write by the harry potter series and i've always loved reading even as a child good um, I'm also passionate about humanitarian work, which is what I want to do with my degree. Um, you don't say what actually—it's always quite interesting to know. And I try to incorporate this into my recent works. So I believe my work would appeal to adults in their late teens and early twenties. So that's your definition of new adult, um, at least from a target audience perspective, because the themes are broad and relatable, which pretty much sums up the reading by K.
6: The Big Broke Break by Lauren Walsh, read by Kay Chapter 1. Coconuts You're more likely to be killed by a falling coconut than win the lottery. Robin frowned, leaning in closer to the words and narrowing her eyes at the pointless little fact on the back of the smoothie carton. How had they figured that one out? Shaking her head, Robin placed the passion fruit smoothie back down on the fridge shelf in front of her, the harsh bright light of the fridge making the blue packaging shine almost mockingly as she seriously doubted the printed trivia. It was a particularly frosty Friday afternoon in November and the on-campus co-op was packed full of students either hurrying in for cover from the snow or who had finished their day of seminars, workshops and lectures and was preparing for their weekly pre-drinks before their night on town aisles of students hastily loading their baskets full of beer, cider and pizzas as they excitedly chattered about how their night would go and their plans of action. Robin was pushed forward by one of these said Friday clubbers who, in his defence, turned around muttering apologies. It's fine, don't worry about it, Robin smiled, pulling her jean jacket tighter around herself anxiously as his friends further down the aisle turned to look at her. She had known the guy who'd brushed by her as Dennis, a third year who briefly dated one of her course mates, Violet. Very briefly, in fact, only really recognising him by his shocking green hair and his cheap James Bond aftershave that lingered on Violet's favourite leopard print scarf for weeks. Dennis's lime quiff appeared again in the corner of her eye, standing at the lottery station. Scribbling his numbers down quickly as he hunched over the small ticket before laughing at something his friend said and swaggering away. Keeping her eyes on the lottery station, Robin noticed that it was shaped weirdly. A collection of circles held together by blue plastic with a large clear dome displaying the brand. More likely to be killed by a coconut, hey? Robin thought. She smiled, the very fact amusing her at its ludicrously Honestly, how much were these smoothie fact-writers being paid to string something like that together? Robin seemed to find herself pulled towards the station. Maybe it was because Jack always did scratch cards and won the occasional fiver. Maybe it was the fact that her mum had got a lottery ticket every week since she was a baby. Or maybe it was the fact that money was tough and she had barely scraped by with rent last month. But Robin found herself now stood directly in front of the awaiting tickets, a strange feeling bubbling in her stomach. She thought of her grandad and his fondness too for lottery tickets. If I ever win the lottery, I'll buy you a bright yellow Volkswagen camper van. She gulped, nervous all of a sudden. She looked down at the pen, mere centimetres away from her twitching fingers. Should she, or shouldn't she? To be fair, on her shift just last Saturday, Robin had gotten that ten tip from that guy who always drank too much champagne and it was still all scrunched up in her purse. So she definitely could afford the ticket alongside her canned tomatoes, olive bread and bottle of rosé that weighed down her basket. Her uncle was going to kill her for spending her money this way rather than investing it in her education or whatever, but she shrugged it off and leant forward. Pick six numbers, enter our draw and win £33 million. 33, bit specific. Robin continued on anyway and began to write down her numbers. 6, her mum's lucky number. 11, the date of her sister's birthday. 53, the age her dad had just turned. 69, the number of the house she shared with her housemates. 12, her own lucky number. 82, the number of sources she had just read for her newly submitted essay. And with a sudden desire for Gabby's coconut curry, Robin was whipping out her yellow iPhone and hurrying to the till. A few concerned people turning to look at her as she hassled past them.
0: I'm uh, Just looking at the, uh, the genius room, Johnny apparently did one euro millions on Friday, he went £4.70. <laughs> um getting a sense of where that went coming from says Kay. another funny sentence says johnny vagabond sorry i miss i may have misread i thought she was in her own fridge um jay says the tense is present and past and that's very disturbing actually when that happens uh distancing says rk oh, okay. lotto wants 44 million to one uh andy says you're that skint and you buy olive bread yes i was only buying that too um sarah before we get your expert opinion let's just talk about this this question of new adult that's been sort of banded around for a year or two now in the business and i, I I'm, I'm guessing really lauren is actually in her own demographic she's writing for people more or less her age um and that's that's sort of called new adult or or is it i mean is it is it is it a real thing do you think
2: a few years ago it was starting I was starting to hear a lot about it and people were, were writing it but it feels like that's kind of tapered off a bit and I'm yeah. trying, I think I'm not sure where it falls because yeah. it, it's if to me it's just if she's in college and she's an adult and she's heading that way then it's an adult and if she's a she, which she's not a teenager anymore so she's not in that secondary school or high school if you're in the us um and I because I, I always think about where the books were where they're going to shelve it yeah. And they're probably going to shelve it in adult because I don't yeah. think there's a new adult category. So um, I'm not sure about new adult. I hear it and I know there are people writing it and I understand what it means. Mm. Um, but I'm not sure. I'm not yeah. sure that's.
0: Yeah, I'm not really sure. I think really it's a
2: confusion sure. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so what did you think?
2: Uh, I'm like, I think the blurb wasn't a blurb the pitch wasn't a pitch no. um i wanted to know I, I don't really have a sense i mean she's gonna win the lottery win the lottery no win the lottery and um and then we're gonna see that you know money can't buy you happiness i'm assuming um but i wanted to know more because I, I mean I, i've heard that story um and it can be funny and it can be engaging and there can be all kinds of things but i don't really know what journey I'm going to be on, quite yet. Um, I love the opening about the coconut. I think I thought that was a, that was a nice humor, and I wanted her to kind of pull out that humor a little bit more. I wanted that voice to be a little bit more sparky. But it was. I, I can see the hint of it there. I can, see in, the, in that opening line which sets me up nicely. Um, I'm. I wanted her to have a better reason for buying the lottery ticket because she mm. didn't know what. And I wanted her to like find a pound on the floor or somebody filled out a, a ticket and and she was going to win it and it wasn't going to be her lucky numbers or or something because it just didn't feel i didn't feel like she was making a choice really and and since it's the inciting incident i wanted her to make a choice about it um and i think and i loved i loved that she you know there was a thought behind she picks some numbers because that's what people do which is lovely um but there was a lot of names in there like dennis and violet are they going to be are they important hmm. um and then there was jack and there was granddad um and i didn't really know these people and i didn't really know if she was seating them in so that i would get to know them and and uh yeah you know understand and especially that's yeah. opening pair those opening pages i want people in that that you want me to hold on to yeah. um but i think i think was a nice there was a nice humor there and um i think it could be really fun and i love you know i always like the idea that you know the skint person although i'm with you the skint person when i was skint it was pot noodles and and you know worked well, yeah. for a diet. <laughs> i spurred for a diet coke not a bottle oh, of rose and all the exactly. bread i'm just like ready it. But that made me hungry for, for dinner. So I, I not that I you know just dis- disliked her choice of, of snackage. Exactly. On a, on a exactly. This is
0: what jo- Johnny says. We need to show the protagonists living on mousetrap cheese and three-day-old baked beans with the mould scraped off. That yeah, that is more like it, isn't it? And Andy says like the numbers, but it was breezy enough. But buying a lotto yeah. ticket in a uni supermarket isn't the most exciting mm-hmm. opening. Ne- it needs something um yeah uh michelle's um says walking ned waking ned divine sorry is a great lottery story i don't know it but i'll take a recommendation it's great here. it's
2: a great it's a great one
0: what did you think annie
3: um well i, I like i liked it they're Sarah was saying about the um, the humour, and that's something that I agree on. That I picked up on that, and the starting it with the coconut falling in your head. Um, I thought that was a very um, clever line, but again, there's that sense of it's the plot is moving and not the character.
4: Yeah.
0: So yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I that think was missing. Right. Yeah, um, I just wanted—I wanted to be more excited, actually. I mean, I, I think—I don't know who was Andy who said yeah. that or something. Uh, Chandler Jules just said, "Sorry, uh, but this lottery ticket buying doesn't pull me in." No, I didn't pull me in either. I hear a strong voice. Would like more about mm-hmm. her tight circumstances before the windfall. And um, RK says, "Yeah, I think the young ones. Yeah, absolutely." Um, but nevertheless, you've been quite generous with the, yeah. uh, the old numbers there, Andy, Actually, you've gone. Uh, yeah, you like the, you like the writing particularly.
3: There was like a, a real sense of warmth to it. Like I know mm. there was maybe too many yeah. characters introduced, but the details about our family were were things that I really liked, like um her granddad and then her mother. And there was sort of this you kind of guessed that maybe something's happened in the family. There there are things like that that even yeah. though it's probably not the best way to start a book, there's still a sense of um, of a character, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there was one thing that I thought, which was that maybe, I don't know if this is very conventional, it's probably not maybe you can't write a blurb that way but see with the um the way that she wrote the lottery numbers maybe that hmm. maybe she could do something yeah. with that as that would be really interesting
0: that would be really interesting hmm. do it you know the, i don't know if they, do you get those chain chain letters chain emails anymore you know uh, do this buy buy a lottery ticket with these numbers and pass it on or your whole family is going to die of um uh, scabies <laughs> or something uh no that might work that might work i mean we do anything sell books don't we really let's have a look at the uh the score to date so far there we go well yes madarica tour de force there uh, although i have to say everybody uh likes your blurb actually asmus yeah 68 doing very well on the blurb front um we have two more submissions to look at before then i think we should speak to the wonderful so Sarah What a lovely Hello. painting. What a lovely painting. Tell us about <laughs> it.
2: Oh uh, so My, I'm having problems with my computer, so I'm at my husband's desk, and he has um, some things going on behind there that no one should see. Uh, (laughs) Just, just some piles, just piles, and some pictures. No, 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 just some piles and pictures. I should have rephrased that. Um, But I was saying that this, uh, I painted that, and I'm not saying it's a good painting, but. it was in 1998 and it was my first real writer week-long writers conference. I had used my tax check because I didn't have I mean, the big broke break was me about then. I was... uh, uh, But I used my tax check to go to this writer's retreat and they had the opening ceremony and all the other speakers were there and I was among writers for the first time Hmm. and I had a chance to kind of lay down in, in, under this tree and I looked up and I remember having the thought that I'm exactly where I want to be, doing exactly what I want to do. Wow. And it was kind of that moment when I went, yeah, I, you know, I'm going to do, I want to be a writer because this, yeah. this is the moment and um, yeah, it was 1998, so that was several years later until that moment came into fruition, yeah. Yeah. but um, I painted that because it just but reminds me. Really it reminds special. me of that Really that lovely moment so really
0: special yeah thank you thank you for sharing that with us and in the meantime of course since since 1998 which does seem a millennium away um well i mean you've edited 100 books you've written you've written let's look at at some of your books actually um here we go and uh, i've got a big question to ask you actually so yeah let's in danger big series um, Sarahgrant.com, note the hyphen otherwise heaven knows what sort of website you'll go to might be completely different I don't know um, yeah. and the, these books have done incredibly well the whole Chasing Danger series I'm going to come back and get you to talk about them in a moment but I just want to ask you something right now because you're oh I mean you also lecture uh, Goldsmiths and you know the whole thing I mean there's no one really more steeped in this whole area of children's writing than, than you are I didn't did I just call you steeped sorry Um, (laughs) so I just are we doing enough at the moment do you think to encourage children to read and to promote the whole idea of reading and writing amongst children and young people
2: Oh, I think we could, I mean, we can always do more. We can always, I mean, there are great companies like Book Trust, and, you know, they're going to schools a lot, and there are some amazing teachers and librarians who are doing just amazing work. Um, That's frontline stuff.
0: Know. That's frontline stuff. Yes. And obviously, there are a lot of very dedicated people out there, but are they getting Are they getting the support and the encouragement from maybe central and, and local government? I mean, I generally yeah, don't I, know. I mean, I
2: think, no, and, and, from, from a political standpoint, I'm not sure that they mm. are. They they certainly should be doing more. I think they certainly should be doing more. And I think um, it's, you know, I, I, but there are readers out there. I think, you know, there certainly are. I think there's a there's a point at time when they start thinking about GCSEs and as yeah. they go into college, we might, we lose readers a little bit, but I think we get them back. Um, but I think, I mean, the best thing that we can do for our children is read and show them the joy yeah. of reading. And yeah. and yeah. that's, that's I mean, my father yeah. loved to read and he always had a book, always had a book. And, you know, that just was ingrained in, in, in you know, we had, we had a little library at home, nothing big, just a, a couple few shelves. Um, but, you but, know. But in that, those days, it wasn't, loving, there wasn't your it.
0: Netflix, there wasn't your Spotify, there wasn't no, your WeChat no. and all the rest of it. And, you know, we are in uncharted waters now. And I, just, I, I mean, I don't know what's what's going on. What do you think is going to be happening in the next 10 years? Do you think people are going to be reading more, writing more? Or do you think it's going to be something that's just marginalised? I just don't know.
2: I mean, I, I, don't, I don't have a crystal ball, uh, but I think, you know, we've we've, we've said, oh, paper books are going to go away it's all going to be ebooks and we haven't seen that um, yeah. and you know reader you know the, the right books and there are great writers out there so i hold out a lot of hope and you know when mm. i get it when i once again get to go back into schools and, and and talk to young readers there are lots and lots of young readers there are kids who are very excited about mm. books and absolutely um you know engaged in in reading and so
0: That's very encouraging i, think, I
2: I think, it, I think it's always, you know, I, I'm. well, I'm hoping it's always going to be around because yeah, um, yeah, it's such yeah. a big part of my life. And I think, you know, there is something really special. And if you can connect that young reader with the right book and you can show them how exactly. um, they are working along with the writer to create that story. I mean, that's such a powerful thing than being... You know, watching a movie or watching TV, or where, where you're yeah, being which told, which is
0: totally passive. Yeah, Kate you know, which is really and... kind
2: of just feeding your imagination. Yeah, just th- oh. that co-creation that you have yeah. with a fellow um, author when you're reading a book is such oh. a magical thing. You know, it's yeah. such a magical thing, and. And I think it's just finding those those books for kids.
0: Yeah, Kate mentions that uh, readers, especially boys, actually, she says, are disappearing. She knows about this because she works in a library. Uh, are disappearing into interactive video games. They make their own story. It's action-packed, and they are the central character. And, uh, yeah, we've got to face facts, actually. That is, that is happening. Um, yeah. Your your wonderful series here, Chasing Danger, is obviously um, mm. massively successful amongst young readers. What's it about?
2: um it's about uh chase and Mackenzie. so the first one it it, you know my pitch is it's um exotic locations and action adventure so my my two girl characters um in the first book wind up in the maldives they're not supposed to be there because it's a getaway for adults uh something really terrible happens and they're the only two that can save the day so it's you know action adventure exotic locations um I think of it as die hard on a desert island. <laughs>
4: nice. <I> <laughs> um and it What's is it's, just, like? it's so
2: it's our two girls it's it's friendship and it's it's camaraderie and it's girl power cuz most of my books are About girls saving themselves so uh, and it was just so much fun to write I loved when I was 10 years old I loved Charlie's Angels Um, and I remember running around the neighborhood with my friends well yes and uh, and so this was my this is my modern day Charlie's Angels you know my girls my young girls saving the day they're 14 my young girls saving the day so
0: that's a great elevator pitch modern day Charlie's (laughs) Angels look at it there you go sarahgrant.com the fabulous Sarah can't get enough of her and hopefully you will be back in, in school soon face-to-face with, with all your young women. Oh, readers. I hope so. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to that. Very soon, no one. Will. And now we have number four today. No, we don't. <laughs> First of all, button. There we go. Yes, we do have number four. It's from S.M. Worsley. as a name to conjure with. <laughs> Uh, contemporary thriller with animal rights themes. QR code there. It's called Dogs of London. I like the title. I like that title. And here's the blurb. Jaunt is the guy that charities and pressure groups call when they need to cover photos and footage to help launch campaigns. With surveillance support from his gadget-loving hacker housemate CJ, Jont travels to London to infiltrate a suspected dog-fighting gang. Everything's going to plan until the men cross paths with Hazel, a troubled former detective sergeant. She's convinced that the gang are behind the disappearance of her sister and are far more dangerous than they seem. Good to tell you about SM. Um, 47-year-old woman. (laughs) Right, got that. That's very clear, very direct, very straightforward ronnie to friends all right uh can we call you ronnie let us know i grew up on most as an introverted bookish child i've worked as a chef press officer mental health advocate and done night security at a probation hostel that sounds interesting uh, i self-published some vegan cookbooks years back and recently a graphic novel called animus another good title dogs of london is my first novel manuscript my first attempt to get traditionally published I, completed in June, have started submitting to agents while I crack on with the sequel. I feel it's a gripping story, with an original voice, though I have no idea whether it has commercial appeal. We will tell you that. Hence, me bearing my soul here. Alright, we shall entrust your soul, and your story indeed, to the tender mercies of Barbara.
7: Dogs of London by S. M. Worsey, read by Barbara. Chapter 1 Dark Peak, Derbyshire, February 2018. Jaunt hid his mountain bike behind a gorse bush, climbed the stile, and set off across the field. He left the footpath and headed uphill. The going was steep and tussocky, though he resisted turning on his head torch. It would interfere with his night vision, and he'd certainly need that soon. At the next wall, he paused to check his bearing. Definitely the right way. The wall was millstone grit, almost head height. Jaunt peered over. A beam of light in the distance. They were out. He'd picked the right night. He climbed the wall, feeling for footholds with his fell running shoes, dropped down the other side and paused to listen. Two, maybe three men's voices carried downhill on the wind. A faint yapping. It was a cold night, just above freezing, with low cloud and a crescent moon. Jont pulled on a balaclava, glad of the warmth. He switched his equipment on and checked that all the indicator lights were covered. Infrared monocular, strapped to his belt. SLR on manual, f-stop 2.0 with 20-second 20 shutter. Pocket-sized bendy tripod, essential for slow shutter speeds. Shutter-mounted high-res video camera with automatic infrared mode and 16 gigabyte SD. Police-issue body camera, hopefully, he thought he wouldn't have to use that one. Hopefully, this will be a quick in-and-out job. John crossed the next field at a crouching run and reached the edge of the woodland. Hardly daring to breathe, he crept along the tree line until he reached a dense thicket of rhododendrons. The voices were louder here. He was almost upon them. John pushed his way through the thicket, step by step, probing for twigs that may snap. He parted the branches and peered into the clearing beyond. Two men were hard at work with spades, widening the set entrance. A third man held a powerful torch and a wriggling board of terrier bitch. The dog was whimpering, desperate to get at the hole. John levelled his camera and took a shot. The dog glanced over. She must have heard the faint click. John kept absolutely still, his pulse racing and breathing slow. No warning bark from the dog, to his relief. The men carried on digging for five, six minutes as John squatted and set his tripod up on the leafy ground. He angled his SLR upwards to capture the faces. Without positive ID there would be no convictions. He took six clear shots and turned his attention to the video camera. The digging men conferred, tested the depth of the hole and dropped their spades into a wheelbarrow. One pulled a hessian sack from the barrow, moved a short distance and crouched by a second hole. John panned the video camera to film all the openings the men had blocked. There were at least half a dozen. This was a large, active set. At a signal from the man with the sack, the dog handler stepped over to the enlarged hole and knelt. He took a good look around, which enabled clear footage and shots of his face. Off you Go, go, Floss! The dog bolted down the hole. There came an eerie muffled squealing, and a moment later the sack started trashing. The sackman struggled to grip and demanded assistance. Between them, the three secured the sack with cable ties and wrestled it over to the wheelbarrow. Tittering noises came from the sack as the enraged badger fought to escape. Two of them set off through the woods with the barrow, leaving the third to crouch by the hole with the torch, whistling the dog. After what felt like half an hour, the dog resurfaced. She was blackened with mud, limping and bleeding from one ear. Jaunt took some more shots as the man grabbed the dog, attached a lead and set off after the others. John's feet were numb with cold and his calves ached from squatting. He packed away his equipment and emerged from the bushes. The men had all definitely left the area. John headed back down the slope, over the wall, through the lower field and back to the stile. No parked vehicles. Nobody around.
0: And... Thank you, Barbara. Um, Several people liking your reading a lot. Let's just see what Barbara is saying there um i'm going to read it out actually because it's um do try and break it into a couple of comments otherwise it just get so minutely small no one, no one can see it, especially in the recording uh compton i liked a lot about this as barbara our a reader our narrator attention pace, atmosphere but i think it lacks emotional impact i didn't connect with the protagonist we need to know why it matters john needs characterization hmm. i don't know who he really is he didn't have much emotional opinion hmm. i think the story has lots of potential it just needs more work very promising and Johnny says the name jaunt is jumping out. And then we've got a slight difference of opinion here between Johnny, um, who's who's getting YA vibes, and RK, who's not seeing YA potential there at all. So we need to go to the great YA arbiter, Sarah. <laughs> what mm-hmm. do you think? Is this is this YA-ish, do you think?
2: Um, I I I, I'm not getting the feeling yet because he's he's certainly not um, I didn't get him as a young adult. I got him as a professional with lots of experience, and so the main character should definitely be a teen if we're gonna, if it's gonna be YA. Yeah. Um, but I think there, I think there was a, a lot to admire about about the piece. I mean, starting in the middle of action, yes, and I liked it. it the only thing I'll say it is I had too many questions. Um, I wasn't sure there's a wall there and then there was a woodland and I, and I didn't really understand where I was. I mean, you told me I was Hmm. in Derbyshire, but I didn't know what location. I thought at first it was a prison maybe that they were looking over the wall of a prison. Uh, But then there were holes and there was one hole and there were two holes and there were a number of holes. And maybe it's also, I'm not a farm girl. So when they pulled the badger out, I was like, I didn't know. So I didn't, I really was a bit lost yeah. but i will say that that you were there was some subtlety and that you're you're showing you're showing not telling me what that he's this photo journalist and and that uh, you're starting in the middle of action which is great and and i love where i kind of wanted you to just start was when he started switching on the equipment because all that kind of ramping up and he's going over a wall and he's doing this and he's parking his bike i was like nah Let's get, when he starts switching on the equipment, then I was like, oh, and he has all this equipment. That's pretty cool. And what's he yeah. doing? Um, but I think there was just, a, there was still, there's a little too much confusing. But your instincts to start in the middle of the action and really give us a, a good, exciting scene. I think the comments about character are right. I still wanted to know what was, you know, how he's feeling about all this. Um, and, you know, he sees the hurt dog, but yet he doesn't, you know, and, and I, maybe photojournalists mm. are like that. I think that they detach themselves. Mm. Um, so that they don't run in and help. Uh, so I, I think there is something to that kind of detachment from a photojournalistic character. Um, but yeah, there's just I just had I just had too many questions about the location. It was more about the location that kind of kept confusing me, and then what was happening. And again, maybe because I I don't because it's badger culling. Is that what is that what they were doing? No, is it's badger right?
0: baiting. It's uh, it's illegal. B- uh. Badger culling is encouraged by British law. Badger baiting is absolutely not. It's illegal funny
2: difference i still though. have and, and i'm going Hmm, i don't even know what that what that is no it's one of those so funny I mean, funny
0: so sort of british things yeah very strange okay. it's like like fox hunting really only appreciated okay. by the uh the upper classes um yeah so we've got uh barbara uh ads i think you could let him talk about jaunt uh, I, I i yeah i do find the name protagonist's name a bit odd um i think you could let him have internal thoughts yeah i says witnessing this he would have a feeling about all this as he goes on um and vagabond agrees with you so saying all the details about the equipment slowed it down jolted me out a bit and then i think andy says i've got technical questions about the camera <laughs> which is not really the reaction we want at this stage annie what did you think
3: well, first of all, the um, the blurb and the title, I I really liked them. I mm. think, um, especially the, the the blurb, because the premise of of, of then meeting this um, this detective in London, and I just I just found that very interesting. Mm. I, I do kind of agree with um, with some of the issues with the first chapter, um, especially regarding the character. Like that was the one thing that I felt. Needed to be maybe slow down a tiny bit just so that we get a bit more sense of who John is, and that we can. Sorry, my street is a bit noisy. What's, is, um, it a, is
0: it a tarantula or a flamenco going on outside? It's a,
3: it's a flamenco. It's a flamenco. It's a flamenco nice. Car, nice. Yes. <laughs> no, um, but the it, I have to say it was very tense, and like it out was of everything tense. that we've read. Of everything that we've read today, it was the one thing that, as I was like reading it, and as um, as Barbara was reading it, it was just this. Mm. You kind of get that sense sometimes when you're reading something and you're starting to feel very when when you're able to feel the emotion that's been written. I think that's when you can you can tell it's it's working.
0: Yeah, yeah. definitely. So I
3: think if she's able to add a little bit more about the character, then then it's um, it's a winner.
0: Mm. Fantastic, good, excellent. Let's uh, look at the score state. on that that is shooting in the lead there it's got 91 for the title 75 for the blurb um still not surrendering to Madarika on craft but uh, overall bang uh pretty much a hit with everyone actually but of course we have one more submission which could change everything this is what it is it's from cage it's criminal urban fantasy and it's called blackened rose this is cage's blurb ah you've reached the point you'll try anything anyone have you met the black he's the man who deals the problems no one else can or will you'll need an intro and i can help you with that but i have to ask if what you want is worth the weight of your soul yes okay follow me and i'll give you his number but keep your thoughts and fears hidden deep inside or he'll use all your secrets against you at least as long as you're useful i'll say again miss bennett keep your mind closed i'm not miss bennett <laughs> i'm not, not sure anyway uh, let me tell you about cage cage Dunn, dedicated foa fabricator and teller of tales aka full-time writer obsessive compulsive storyteller unbound by genre except there will be no humor thank you very much whose overactive childlike mind you sound so much a writer with not enough serious stuff to keep the mind occupied and you sound as if you actually do want to get into humor as well um and how appropriate isn't it actually how absolutely appropriate you're it's not exactly protagonist's name i don't think but there is a mr black there and you're going to be narrated
5: by lex black Blackened Rose by Cage Dunn, read by Lex. 1. The New Client Dull streetlight backlit the scene, and the low wattage small sconces created the effect Black wanted for his visitor. He was a silhouette, a shade within the darkness, a deeper shadow beyond the width of the heavy timber desk, something to fear. He liked to let people know who they were dealing with, and his setup was a clear warning. This time, the lack of light hid her features, and he wanted to see clearly of all there was to see, feel for the underlying reason he'd agreed to meet, apart from the voice. Not much to look at, petite, a touch of belligerence in the stiff neck and clenched hands, cotton gloves, a skin condition? What she wanted was a little thing, specific. Find who ratted on her dad, which was not what Black did. People called Black into fixed problems not investigate. He was the last stage in the game. Not a player. An endgame move to wipe the board clean. What would this young woman know of his world, the underbelly of society? He'd get rid of her before she got any ideas. But, 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 there was something about her. And someone who knew his code sent her to him. Why? He wanted to know how she got his name, who would risk his ire by blabbing. Black nodded as she spoke, observed her with all his senses. He created a gentle probe, an unseen illusion of an open-palmed hand to caress the edges of her energy field, and floated it toward her. It ground to a halt at the outer shell, a long way from the physical outline. A real person, but the lack of effect was an anomaly. The external appearance of a warm and sensual being was less substantial than the shadows from the play of deepening sunset as daylight faded and a block on her mind as solid as his double-steel office door. Why he'd let her get the interview was beyond him. Even the way she dressed was out of place. Well-worn jeans, cracked full-face helmet on her lap, and a chip on the shoulder. She didn't belong in the rarefied air of Kuyang, Melbourne's most elite suburb, where Black met his clients at night, standard business hours in his trade. The deep cellars wafted cold air into the large room through hidden vents, as cold as death. Just how Black liked it. The voice. She sounded like his mother when she was young. And it intrigued him. It held the allure of secrets. He loved secrets. The person, though, he could do without. The way she paid attention reminded him of a rat dog unguarded a hole, ready to bite any who dared get too close. It was unlikely Miss Liana Bennett could afford to do business with him. But she was here, so he'd hear her out and let her down easy. She stopped speaking. Black tapped his notes. You could do far better for much less outlay if you went to the usual investigators. He slid three business cards across the wide mahogany desk and inhaled the rich aroma of the non-standard bike leather she wore like armor. Not colorful. Not for visibility. Black, brown, muddied yellows. Like her hair. Like her eyes. Miss Bennett sat so still she almost faded into the back of a large visitor's chair a chameleon whose boot oil tingled at the back of Black's throat. Robertson the Road, Reggie the Rotten, and Powers of the Ponce? She flicked the cards back and sneered. The descriptions were apt. That was them to a capital T. No need for dots. The surrounding air hazed, diluted the outline until the effect of the light shimmered her edges. If Black wasn't sure she sat in his chair, he'd question whether it was real. The external streetlight bloomed, hit her, splintered a refraction like multiple mirrors slanted at various angles it messed with how he saw her shape and colors
0: very noir says galadriel yeah clearly it is um i think very uh very positive reactions there are lots of uh lots of uh, atmos atmos says johnny uh likes to selling it beautifully he does doesn't he very good beginnings barbara michelle i'm right in it good this is good cage uh, says Kate, many great reading, Lex. Um, I'm sorry, I'm looking for any critical comments, actually. Eva, uh, unusual, intriguing blurb. I can't see anything critical. Sarah. Hmm.
2: Um. Yeah, I was just really captivated by this. Uh, um, the blurb was kind of not traditional, but yet there was something just sparky about it that i went okay i did i did want to just a little bit more about what the story was about but it certainly piqued my curiosity um and i thought it was very well done uh i liked the black the idea of of the black uh and i think that that opening there was there was a few about how the light was set and i think the third line was something like uh, I was a silhouette, da, 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 and I kind of wanted him to start there, because when I had to yeah. think about the lighting was dull, and the sconces yeah. were doing something, and then I didn't need yeah. that. Just that yeah. he he had organized the lighting so that he was a silhouette. Um, it had a very noir feel, kind of like that comic book um, uh, character. I liked that the setting was in, what, Koo Young? I'm mispronouncing that. I thought that was original. hadn't yeah. hadn't thought about that before. Um, the only thing is, I think... I got the point that this wasn't his kind of client. He made that point many, many, many times. Uh, he it, uh, and uh, but other than that, I there's something there. I think there's something there. Yeah,
0: there is. There is absolutely. I totally agree. And um, Jay says, and Cage Dunn. That's
2: a, that's an author name right there. That's I a want great to be author name
0: by, too. By, he uh, has some great author Cage, names on no, the show today. Yeah, it's a yeah. great author name. Forget about the writing. Great names. Um,
2: and black Jay. and rose, I, I like, I like, I like that the
0: title. I do. I like that too, actually. Yeah, it's, mm. it's yeah, it's it's got something. Um, Jay says, kind of reminded me of the narration on Sin City. I couldn't agree more. I think you nailed it with that.
2: That's it. Yeah, I was trying to think yeah. of that movie name because it had that that it, it had that absolute feel. It
0: totally did, doesn't it? Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, thank you very much, Jay Annie.
3: Um, I. I think I'm an outlier on this one, um, I, I suppose it has to happen sometimes.
0: I does. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and this yeah. is your moment to lie out.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, writing's a very subjective thing, um, but I do have to agree, Like, it's, there's a real sense of, of a character there and it is very engaging. Hmm. Um, it kind of felt almost like it was laid on a bit too heavy for, for, for my taste. But I, yeah, I guess that's what you have to do if you're writing. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And then there were a couple of things. I know he's just establishing this character, and obviously it's important to you know get that first before you move on to other people. But the new client, um, Bennett, I felt like we were just seeing her... Completely from this um, very narrow point of view, and we weren't really able to see her as a as an actual character. Like, Hmm. and even all the dialogue and everything. Maybe this is all intentional, which is which is obviously fine. But the whole conversation that they were having.
0: So sorry, I pressed the wrong damn button. Excuse me. I'm (laughs) so sorry. Like a clap of thunder (laughs) from the gods. So carry on, please. (laughs) Ignore me.
3: Yours are, are trying to censor me, because <laughs> I'm the only outlier in this one. <laughs> no, but I, I just... I've, um, Yeah, I just feel like there was almost a wasted opportunity with the dialogue with, um, with this character. I feel like if we'd actually heard her speak, then maybe we could have gotten a sense of what she was like as well, instead of just having the whole inner monologue but it it does work so i think it's just i'm afraid it's a matter of my own personal taste that's that's
0: what we want that's what we pay the big pay the big bugs for um don't don't really um that's that's great i think that's very perceptive actually and thank you very much for that so we are looking now unless there are any latecomers in the genius room we're looking at 75 this has been a high scoring show i didn't think it was going to be i'm going to press the right button now and we'll see how everything's stacking Okay, so it's gone up to 77 now, um, and uh, no, 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 it hasn't, sorry, I'm going to kill it wrong, I oh, get okay, so confused. Everybody loves your blurb, Cage. Everybody loves your craft, writing craft, Madarica. And everybody loves your title and your commercial appeal, SM Worsley. Very interesting distribution there. Um, and it does mean, actually, that we've got two two um, uh, manuscripts tightly contested, actually, for the the top spot. Um, I, I'm, you know, it's always fascinating to see how these these things work out because two or three um, submissions ago, I was pretty convinced that Madarica was going to walk it today because uh, that is a very very good score, Madarica, but you didn't and before we actually play the um, the fanfare and, and leave you alone for the next 6 days or so i just want to ask our wonderful panelists if they did have an opportunity to come up with any endorsements they'd like to to offer or share if you didn't you can always do it uh, send it in next time did you manage to either of you i've i've got uh, a little to...
3: one that's, Oh, good okay yeah. Yeah. go on <laughs> we've both been doing it we've both been working away Great. Okay, fire right okay far away so so Maine is um magical dark brimming with new and exciting world building
0: that's fantastic any somebody says that wow. sarah
3: oh gosh i i was
2: too uh, that's multitasking really and I so know, i haven't i, I haven't know. quite got there i'm Not so quite. sorry that's fine so don't sorry. worry
0: about it it's absolutely great well all that means actually is we do have a show winner a well-deserved show winner and this is it <laughs> congratulations congratulations sm worsley you pulled it off mate many many congratulations that's a that's a heck of a score actually and well we've got two more shows until the end of this month and we'll see if anyone knocks you off the the top dog position um i wonder i wonder it'll have to be a good submission if it does but we get some good submissions um i want to say well you know what i want to say i want to say thank you so much to our wonderful panelists annie and sarah can't get enough of them hope they come back and see us again soon everyone behind the scenes great team make it happen couldn't happen without some lots of hard work uh from all you people who you know who you are and mostly i just want to say thank you to all the writers who who screw up their courage because <laughs> it's not easy actually writing is you know is is a bit of an introverted job actually you do it in private and then maybe send it out if anybody likes it and this is very very public and um, I hope you feel that um, we take care of your submission and do a good job for you I've had a lot of fun should we do it all again same time next week shall we let's do it.